Welcome to Reach, your platform to connect with other executive assistants and acquire game-changing knowledge and perspective. Reach is designed to inspire your workday, guide you through pivotal moments in your career, and transform you into the executive assistant you've always wanted to be. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Reach. This is your host, Jessica Van. I'm the founder and CEO of Maven Recruiting Group. And today is an episode I have been anticipating for months. Um, so excited to welcome our two guests today. We have two. We have a, a double, double, uh, double treat for you today. We have Kenya Graham, former executive assistant to Sarah Blakely, and Lisa Magazine, former personal assistant to Sarah Blakely. The two of them in tandem supported Sarah both on the personal and executive side. And we're going to be welcoming them to the program today. I'm having a, a definite fangirl moment here because this is really an incredible opportunity to talk to the women behind the woman. Um, of course, you know, so many of us know Sarah Blakely as the iconic founder and CEO of Spanx. She's, of course, just a legendary entrepreneur and, and really empowering figure for women uh, globally. So, so excited to have you both here. Thank you so much, Kenya and Lisa. Welcome. Thank you for having us. I know. Thank you for having us, Jessica. We're excited Thank to be you. here. Absolutely. So we're going to be talking about how the two of you worked in tandem to really provide this holistic and what I like to think of as, you know, continuous 360 degree support, right, to Sarah. And so that she could really show up as the effective leader and change maker and visionary that, that she is. And of course, along the way, as we dive into that, we're going to be addressing the two burning questions that I'm sure everyone wants to know, which are, how do you get a job like that? And is it everything we think it is and, and more? So really excited for this conversation. To start us off, can two of you break down for us what it was like to support someone like Sarah, who, you know, among many accolades that she has earned, um, some of those are things like top 100 most influential people in the world by Times Magazine. She's been ranked one of the most powerful women in the world by Forbes Magazine. So, you know, all that glamour and, and kind of notoriety aside, what does it take to keep up with someone like Sarah and to keep someone like her in motion? It takes a village. Yes. Okay. And to watch her, I think the, the excitement comes from when, when like the night when it was the, the, Times, the, time, the time Magazine influential thing in New York City. I mean, that was such a big moment for her on so many different levels. And, you know, I was at her apartment in New York City that night and watching her get ready and have her nerves, but she was so excited. And for me to, it was just wonderful on a proud moment to see her get to that level. And, and it was just a very beautiful moment, but to, to get her going, it, it takes a lot of preparation yeah. to get her ready. I would say, and I laugh all the time, I would tell my husband this, and when we went remote, he witnessed it a lot just because he would, 
hear me on calls and stuff with Sarah and the team. We were her hype. Yeah. Hype, oh, hype girls. Totally. Mm, you guys are the hype crew. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so while people see Sarah on stage and giving, you know, all these great keynotes and fireside chats, really behind the scenes, and mm-hmm. I hope this is okay to say, but like yeah. behind the scenes, she would be a nervous wreck before going yes. out there. Mm. And so we were the ones that like, you look great. You know what you're saying. You can do this. You mm-hmm. are the girl. Like, mm-hmm. look at what you've built. Right. We were pumping her up and we were making sure she was 150% prepared every time she walked on stage in front of anyone. Right. That was our job. So, you know, weeks before it started, all the way up until the moment she walked on stage to present or do whatever mm-hmm. she was doing. But I really, I really appreciate that. I mean, I think that's, first of all, it's just, it's just very human and it's very honest. And that vulnerability is, I mean, I, whether, whether you own it or not, I think the fundamental thing that we all share as people is that we are vulnerable. We, we are, you know, a bundle of nerves at times and things like that. But I think what's really interesting to note is that the prep work, as you point out, Kenya, is not just about you know, the logistics and making sure that her talking points are well orchestrated and ordered and, you know, tight and whatever. But it's it's also being there on that on that very emotional and personal level to say, you've got this. Like you're gonna you're gonna crush it out there. And I think that is that is support. I mean it's it's not either or it's it's all of it. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So is the job or was the job was it a 24-hour kind of intensity? Like, what, what did that pace and, and intensity look like? I mean, I'll speak really quickly from my standpoint and just the Spanx sort of business side that I dealt with with Sarah. It, it was a 24-hour job, but it wasn't. If I made sure that she was prepared for whatever meeting she was going into, whatever event she had, then... No, it wasn't a 24-7 job. Lisa, on the other hand, while she managed her entire life from, you know, her house to her kids to her nannies, chefs, her job was way more 24-7 than mine. Mm -hmm. We can talk more about that, but I think that's a lot of it is there's sort of the character of the personal realm and it has its own pace. And then there's the character of the business realm and, and that has its own pace. But they're, they are definitely different different animals um, as far as all that's concerned. So let's let's rewind a few years back. And, and also, I want to just note, too, I mean, both of you had these incredible tenures. I mean, Lisa, you were with Sarah for, what was it, 19 years? 18. All told? 18 years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's just incredible. And I mean, Kenya, obviously, you also <laughs> put in an incredible amount of time. I mean, what, what do you attribute that to? Like, what, what do you think was really the glue and um, and what, what kept you guys loyal and invested and engaged for such impressive lengths of time in these roles? For me, it was Lisa <laughs> in full Aww. transparency. She and I had such a dynamic relationship and connection in terms of making sure that Sarah was taken care of and being a step ahead of her at all times. Even when she thought she was, you know, telling us to do something or she thought she was a step ahead of us, we had already thought of it, right? Mm-hmm. And we would just laugh behind the scenes, like <laughs> we already did that girl. <laughs> um, but so having Lisa and then we had, you know, 
another editorial strategist, a PR manager, like we had a lot of people on our team. And as a team, it was sort of us and then Sarah and us. And when we saw Sarah shine, then we felt successful, right? right? Like it summed it up for us. So I, I started off at Spanx actually working for the CEO at the time, um, Jan Singer, and Sarah was not acting CEO. She was out having kids and, you know, doing that sort of thing. And Lisa was there still working for Sarah, but I was there as the EA to the CEO. And then Sarah decided to come back into the business and my job basically ended. And I, and she had a business assistant, so she there was no need for me. So I left for two years then when her business assistant, her EA left, Lisa called me and said, hey, would you consider coming back and working for Sarah? And I said, absolutely. I loved working for Spanx. So then I came back and then I was there for four years until I just recently left. So again, I think it goes back to having that working connection and understanding that I knew Lisa and I worked well together and I knew that we could make Sarah shine. And yeah. that was that's my goal for that's any goal. role yeah. that I've ever gone into as an EA is not for me to shine. I like, obviously, you know, I like to be behind the scenes, but when my boss shines, mm-hmm. I feel like right. That's your payoff moment. Yeah. yeah. That's your out of girl moment. Yeah. So what did that look like? I mean, and Lisa, you, especially with this, this lens of 18 years, I mean, what, that's gotta be a pretty meteoric, like crazy period in Spanx's history. And also just in the life and history of, of Sarah as an individual, you know, from where she was 18 years ago to where she was today. So, I mean, what did that look like for you? What what types of changes did you see in terms of the business, in terms of Sarah's needs, in terms of her lifestyle? Like, what, what did that kind of trajectory look like? Well, when I first started, I was employee number 13. I mean, we were in the basement um, with no windows of the Westin Hotel in Atlanta, Georgia, in Buckhead. And when I went in there, you know, the last job that I had had was the top floor at Warnico working for Linda Walkner, who at the time was the highest paid CEO in America, woman CEO in America. And I mean, our offices were stellar. And then to walk <laughs> into space, I'm like, this is it? Your guys are in a windowless basement? But when I met her, I said to my husband, I said, there's just some, she's so young and beautiful and, and there's just something so innocent about her, but she is sly as a fox that I'm telling you as a fox. And I said, there's just something about her. And we were very scrappy back then. And, um, it, it just to watch her evolve and, and grow with the the brand and watch the brand grow and watch her work so incredibly hard. I mean, she worked it. Um, it was, it, I was with so much pleasure to support her. I really, it brought me so much joy because, yeah. you know, as a woman watching another woman just build something that one of, uh, Somebody said to her, oh, you had that little underwear company. That was when I first started there. And I just say to her, you know, we, I'd often say, where is that guy? I, I just want to see him 
How do you like me now with my little yeah. underwear company? Exactly. She was at a party in Atlanta and this guy said that to her. Oh, you, you're starting that little underwear company, right? How's that going? And mm-hmm. we'd, we'd often laugh about that guy. I love it. I mean, and, and anyone that's that's you know heard heard the story of Spanx. I mean, it's such an amazing rags to riches. I, I know that's oh, yeah. you know I say that in quotation marks, but such a like rags to riches story. I mean, there's like all of these things where you hear like these you know kind of it's almost like this like iconic like folkloric you know um, tales that you hear about you know like for instance things where she put didn't she put her inventory, like she switched it out or something and like snuck it onto a counter where she wasn't supposed to have it or something like this. It was at Neiman Marcus here in Atlanta and at Nordstrom when Nordstrom opened up here in Atlanta and she kept taking. And then when I first started working for her, asked me if I would do the same thing. And I am a, an intense rule follower, and I said to myself, <laughs> do that. Like, what have I signed up for? <laughs> the power of persuasion on yes, another level. <laughs> and before you know it, I am taking uh, that brand Hue, H-U-E, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and Shears out of these display cases <laughs> and putting in the Spanx display cases. <laughs> So yes, she was very, um, didn't really care. She really was going to get scolded after, permission later, forgiveness yep. later, didn't bother her. And she was a little bit of a warrior back then. Yeah. So. Yeah. But I mean, how funny and, and how, what an amazing, you know, experience for you to have been there really at that grassroots stage, oh, windowless office. I mean, that's as grassroots as it gets. That's yes. like guerrilla style we're yes. just going to go in, take over Neiman Marcus. We're going to make this thing work to where you are now. I mean, what, just what an incredible meteoric story. Um, and similarly, like what that, how that obviously impacted and, and kind of echoed through her life and lifestyle. I mean, that, that kind of goes without saying that that would have also gone with it all. And just so cool. So cool. So we talked about this a little bit about, you know, kind of, you know, things existing on this continuum, right? Like the executive's business and personal lives have to exist and there has to be flow between the two of them. They can't be any kind of like friction or tension because at the end of the day, you know, they're one person and there has to be harmony between those two, those two pieces to really be effective and to provide that kind of, you know, peace. So... I'm curious, you know, obviously, like someone like Sarah, who's a mother, four kids, married, complex, very busy, 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 busy life. Tell us about how the two of you worked together. And, you know, like you said, Kenya, Lisa's what kept you at the job. (laughs) You know, she was really the anchor point. So what was it about that relationship between the two of you? And what are some of the the traits or hallmarks of your relationship and how the two of you partner that made it so seamless? A big piece of it, and this is, I mean, it's a simple piece, honestly. We shared an office. Yes. <laughs> it's as simple as it sounds. We shared an office. And what that meant was if I'm on a call, if I'm in a meeting, Lisa's witnessing it. If she's on a call, if she's in a meeting, I'm witnessing it. So the the crossing of information was always there. Always there. And we just, we 
we already had the connection of, of having worked together previously. We are both, as Lisa said, Capricorns. Mm-hmm. We kind of operate the same. Yep. Neither one of us have an ego. Nope. And honestly, we were both career EAs that were in this position to make Sarah shine. So, you know, I can remember one time, I don't remember where we were. Something happened and, and Sarah said, oh, don't you guys, to, to whoever we were with, don't you worry about it. I have the two best bodyguards in the room. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I never have a worry in the world if I'm traveling with these two. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. there was true truth behind that. Like she, you know, it was, it was, it was King and Lisa. Yeah. We made sure that she was taken care of at mm-hmm. all times. And mm-hmm. it just, it worked. We shared information. Mm-hmm. We, you know, I made sure that the business side was the way it was, or I would run things past Lisa, you know, just because of her historical knowledge and say to her, Hey, what do you think about this? Lisa would do the same with me. You know, Sarah and I have kind of kids around the same age. Well, her oldest. Um, so, you know, if Lisa had a question about schools or kids or something, she was working on the personal side with Sarah, mm-hmm. she would ask me, she didn't have an ego in it just because that was quote unquote her job. Right. Um, and same with me, I would ask her, Hey, back in the day, what did you do here? How would this help Sarah? What, what could I do better to help her? We just literally shared information constantly. Yes. And what were the pieces of information, like for instance, around the business or things like that, what were the pieces of information that were most critical and vital for the two of you to communicate around to make sure that there weren't those, you know, catastrophic hiccups? Historical data. Lisa was, Lisa literally, and even everyone at Spanx knew this, was like a walking encyclopedia. Mm. So if we, if I got a call or an email or Sarah copied me on a text or an email with somebody that I'm like, who is this person? I could look at Lisa and say, who is Jack Smith? And Lisa would say, Jack Smith. She met Jack Smith back in 1999. <laughs> You're one of those. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> At a cocktail party. And he said, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, And it. he <laughs> said, your little underwear company. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Meanwhile, I can't remember what I did yesterday. But yes, <laughs> I have years worth of what, what is now useless knowledge. Just, yeah, right. Yeah, because you've recently retired. So congratulations. Congrats. That's, that's, huge. that's huge. That's huge. So, you know, I think it's really interesting, too, what you pointed out about how you guys were, you were sharing an office. So you were, I mean, you were literally in the same space, you know, could, could finish each other's sentences, could hear each other's conversations. How do you, what do, what are your thoughts then for those that, because I, I know with a lot of PAs that work with an EA, um, that's not the situation. So for instance, you know, the, the PA, the EA may be, you know, office-based um, or they, these days more and more, they tend to be remote, right? Um, and then you've got the personal assistant who tends to be based out of the home or is a little bit more nomadic. They're, you know, meeting with vendors or contractors or errands or what have you. So what are your recommendations in situations like that where you don't necessarily have that kind of, you know, um, easy kind of ear hustling opportunity, right? What, how would, how do you suggest working around things like that for those that don't have that situation? I think it's real simple. I think touch bases, you know, yeah. every, every day, you know, to have that, if, if your boss has, you know, if your CEO has a PA that you have a touch base with their PA or whoever their, you know, house manager or state manager, whoever that is, 
you're have you're you have a consistent cadence with them of meeting with them and sharing information, going over calendars. Right. Because even though Lisa, you know, was more on the PA side, Lisa handled things really from a higher estate manager mm-hmm. director level. So we there were people in Sarah's home that were on the ground, right? And so there were so many times that Lisa and I would go over to the home, print out Sarah's calendar, sit with, you know, Sarah's calendar and her husband's assistant yes. and the house staff. Right. And we would meet with them and go through and say, hey, here's where the kids breaks are. Here's where Sarah's traveling. Here's where her husband's traveling. That happened all the time. We, we not only did Lisa and I have the connection, but we had the connection with the entire house staff. Right. And the communication lines were open. And again, we would always joke and say it was, you know, us against her and her husband. And not in a bad way, but just right. like we needed to make sure we were on point. We had what we needed to be able to make sure that they had what they needed. Mm-hmm. So I think to answer your question, it's sharing of information, setting up a cadence of meetings, making sure that no one's hoarding information. Because I've been in those situations Same. too, where people are so afraid and they they hoard information for their job security, completely unnecessary. If you're confident in your job and you know you're doing the best job that you can do, you don't need to hoard information. Right. Share it. Share it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what's going to allow everybody to look good <clears throat> and to perform well in, in their role, which is what, of course, right. enables you to look good. Right. Um, yeah. I, I think that's a really powerful soundbite and piece of advice. When it came to working together, I mean, did you, did you, the two of you always sort of have this very seamless flow or was it something that you had to work at? No, no, we kind of did. It, we did. It just, it was um, perfection from the start. Yeah. We would always say to Sarah, you have your dream team in front of you, girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get out of us now. Yes. Go ahead. Go and ahead. she would just roll her eyes at us. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I, I think that for us, it is the the level of maturity that mm-hmm. we've been doing this yes. for so many years. Sure. You know, this PA thing, just I always, with all the other women that I worked for, I definitely had an EAPA vibe. I don't really know how that happened, but it just did. Um, and, and with Kenya and I, it just, from the get-go, it was... No, like I said, that no ego thing yeah. and secure. I'm mm-hmm. secure with my position with Sarah. She's secure with her position with Sarah. So let's make it work. I don't want any, neither one of us wants to be on TV or any, <laughs> hell mm-hmm. right. you know, right. but to, to make her feel like a million dollars every time she was in a meeting, what, no matter how big or small. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Her thing mm-hmm. was, please let me be prepared. prepared. Yeah, and mm. whether it's it's her going to a dinner and who's going to be there, who's sitting at my table, I need pictures, I need this, that. We just did it, and right. we just were in a rhythm from day one. Right. We yeah. also had very clear kind of role yes. responsibility yes. When, when I started. Sarah said, I really want you guys to have clear yes. role, you know, defined roles, so yes. I know who to go to. Right. And we established that right off the bat. Yes. You know, Lisa never touched the calendar no. is an example. I said to her, I do not work well with anyone being in the calendar of my CEO. 
She said, good, because I don't want to touch it. I don't want to touch it. <laughs> so that was perfect. Mm -hmm. You know, in terms of travel, I didn't want to call it and, and schedule the private plane. I didn't know anything about it. Didn't want to know anything about it. Lisa's like, and I don't want you touching it. I will let you mm. know when I book the flight and then you can put it on the calendar. So we had definitely very clear defined roles. Now that doesn't mean if I was on you know, vacation that she couldn't step in or, or I couldn't step in. But while we were both present, we definitely kept a clean line. Yes. Yeah. I think that's really key. Well, Being it's very... Yeah, it's, I mean, boundaries, because there needs to be accountability. Yeah, and, right. then, and then there needs to be clarity. If no one's clear on what they do, what their role is, what they're responsible for, that's where things get real murky real quick. Right. Yeah. Um, so like, for instance, like you mentioned, okay, so Sarah's going to a dinner party, who's in attendance, giving her the, the bios and the briefings on those people, like, would that have been a Kenya thing? Or would that have been a Lisa thing? Lisa, it, really? I mean, sometimes I, mean, I would help, but yeah, mostly it was mostly you. me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's why okay. our, our roles, when I, and that's what I mean when I say like, yes, Lisa handled more of the PA stuff, but if she was going to DC for a meeting, mm -hmm. you know, at the Capitol or whatever, right. Lisa kind of pulled all of that stuff. Right. I really focused more on the business spank side of right. things. Can you give us, and I'm sure you have a million examples, so feel free to give us more than one example, but I'd love to hear, you know, when, when you guys think back and reflect upon this incredible ride that you had together, like what's an amazing feat that you pulled off where the two of you just look at each other and without even saying a word, it's just a look, you know, like we did it. Like, can you believe we pulled this off? Like, is there a situation that the two of you can, can think of today and just laugh about and smile and feel really proud of and also just impressed that you were able to pull it off. I feel like there was, first of all, there were so many. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're the dream team. <laughs> Literally, there were so many that we, I, I think, I feel like I look back and I'm like, oh, wow, she didn't even know that we didn't really know that she had that until she had it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then we figured out that it was on her calendar. But I, it's probably the Helsinki, right? I would say this this speaking event that she was invited to, it's called the Nordic Forum. I think Business so. Forum. Business Forum yeah. or something, yeah. And it's in Helsinki, Finland every year. And I, um, the year before she did it, Barack Obama was the keynote. Richard Branson was the keynote. Uh, Brene Brown opened for Sarah when we got mm. there. Wow. And and it's 10,000 people, mostly men. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a whole different audience vibe than she's used to. Um, because we're talking about how she started Spanx. And a lot of uh, references, you know, to crotches, gussets, <laughs> boobs, <laughs> right. things like that. That I'm, I'm going to bet that this uh, very conservative group of men. Yeah. <laughs> Nordic of, of all things, right. Yeah. So that's going to be a little bit different. But, um, and she hadn't done a keynote in quite a few years. And quite a few years. And it's a good, healthy 45 minutes um, and it was all new, right? And it was all she wanted to change the whole mm -hmm. dynamics of the of the speech. And so, you know, we had a good nine months to prepare for it. And, you know, every time we would meet during the week, I would say, OK, I'm getting a little nervous. We're not preparing. 
Then the next week, all right, I'm getting a little bit cranky. We're not preparing. And, you know, as we got closer and closer, um, she said, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting really nervous. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, we, Kenya's going, I'm going. Her editorial strategist came. She said, I don't think I need three people. I said, no, you do. Okay. Mm -hmm. You do. Um, and each one of us just took our role very, uh, my job is to prepare her, make sure her, you know, her, I know this sounds so no, but silly, no, but to make sure she's all good. When we got to Helsinki, uh, I, I'm working with Sarah in the hotel room doing rewrites. Kenya and Jamie are in the venue, um, making sure this is the side she likes to sit on. What's mm. the what does the stage look like? What color are the chairs? What's the backdrop? Um, you know, what kind of microphone? It's th silly things like that. But the day of to walk in and know that we know where to go, we know where everything is. And she was ready. Yeah. And she knocked it out of the park. I mean, people she stood was up, ready. people were clapping. Yeah. It was, wow. it was great. And it's funny because the woman that puts this on every year, she later sent me an email and said, you guys were the most prepared yeah. team that we've ever had yeah. in the background of a keynote speaker. Wow. That's, and wow. we laughed at time, me and Lisa and Jamie, who's the editorial strategist, because you say that look, you know, you're like, what's that look you give me? We yeah. all look at each other and we laugh over a glass of wine and go, Helsinki. Helsinki. <laughs> it's just the word. Wow. What a moment. Yeah. And it really was. I actually, I'm like getting goosebumps because it's just, I, I can, I can feel the anticipation of something like that, that the nine months of building and just chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, prepping, rehearsing, gathering, fact-finding, research, diligence, yeah. then then getting there and being, I mean, and you just, you do so much for this one moment, but that's, that's yeah. it though. It's like you, you, you're, you're queuing them up so that when that moment comes, they just boom, like they, they just, they, they go off and they shine. And what a moment of triumph for the two of you to be able to just like see her in her element and know how much you put into bringing that moment together into fruition. Like that's so, it's so satisfying. I, I'm it's, it's really, it's a wonderful story. Yeah. And so. then did you also uh, email the white house and be like, and by the way, they said we were better prepared than you guys were <laughs> because Obama was there before. Right. That's so great. Um, is such a level of trust from her perspective. Like the night before that speech, for instance, we were, the three of us were in her hotel room and, you know, really going through rewrites and, and do I, does this sound good? Does this sound good? And back check this. Yeah. yeah. And mm. we were at all the, you know, the, the four of us are in the room together in our pajamas and just, talking out, well, that doesn't sound good. And for her to have that trust within us yeah. to say, all right, I appreciate that. I'm not going to use it. Let's go to a different direction. And um, that that also feels very good it when you go know that, that your boss trusts, uh, you. trusts you. Yeah. Well, and just the intimacy there. Like, uh, I mean, that, that's such a good visual, like the four of you, 
you know, hanging out in this hotel room in your pajamas, whatever, just cranking through the work. Right. There, I mean, regardless of what people's statuses are, regardless of people's, you know, job functions, titles, wealth, whatever it may be, like at the end of the day, it was the four of you guys in this room crunching it out. And, and you guys were, that was the A team right there, you know, and, and it was, you guys were really aligned in your vision and in your purpose and in your, you know, your, your roles. And that's just really something beautiful about that, um, that collaboration. I need a Kleenex. Right? I know. I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, it's, it's really yeah. special. Um, I'm curious, like, did, did, did you feel like Sarah stayed accessible in, in, in the same ways, like through, through the, this really, you know, catalytic success and notoriety that, that she achieved? Like, do you feel like she also stayed accessible in, in, you know, did you still recognize, I guess, that, that, as you said earlier, Lisa, that, that, you know, sly fox and did you still see that oh, person well, or? Oh, no, she is, she is the girl next door. And yet uh, one of the most creative geniuses I've ever met. And she is still that person. Hmm. She just is. Yeah. And that's how she rolls. She is yeah. very real and very down to earth and very approachable, very funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's just a great person. Yeah. It's beautiful. I mean, it must be because you don't, you don't typically see tenures like, like what you, both of you achieved. Right. Um, so question for you, and, and I, I'm asking this because this comes up quite a bit with other interview processes that we might run on behalf of, you know, CEOs. And let's be frank, I mean, most of the CEOs that we run searches for are typically men. Um, I love when we get a female CEO to run a search for, but they're not as many. Um, but more and more and more, you know, even the candidates that are interviewing for roles as the executive support, not even necessarily for the personal realm but for roles where they'd be supporting in the executive business realm, we get requests where the candidate, you know, it's requested that they sit down with the wife for, for um, a meeting or that they, they meet the wife as part of the vetting process and part of the interview process. Since both of you have both worked in, you know, such close proximity to the family, right. And in this role, like, I'm curious what your opinion is of a request like that. Do you, does that feel appropriate to you in the case of somebody supporting on the business side? Or I guess what, what would go through your head and, and why do you think somebody like a wife might be introduced into the interview process as a decision maker? I, I feel like my initial reaction is not necessarily the wife, but maybe if the wife has an assistant that would be a better matchup mm -hmm. in a more reasonable request. Mm -hmm. I worked for two men in my career and the rest, I always work for women. And this is why it was just two men. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and again, Lisa's retired, so she can say whatever she wants. <laughs> she is not trying to get another job. So go ahead, Lisa, tell us what you want to say. <laughs> Both, both men, and this is my hand to God, this is real. Both men, I had to speak with their wives. And that was such a huge turnoff to me. 
And I just told you this story. About, yeah, Ronzoni. I worked for this man who owned a huge pasta company in New York. And he hired me. I worked for Kraft Foods at the time. And and Kraft bought this pasta company. So I got promoted and started working for him. And he had to bring in his wife so we could sit and talk. And I thought, okay, this is weird, but whatever. Um, Then he asked me if I would get with his wife and make dentist appointments. And and they were going to Orlando to Disney World. And I said to him, his name was Bob. And I said, Bob, that's not what I do. Hmm. I don't do that. Um, And I was young. I was in my early 20s. I don't even know where I got the, the wherewithal to even say that. And then fast forward, he uh, gets asked to speak in front of a congressional hearing about uh, wheat and semolina in America and semolina in Italy. And Mm. it was an import-export situation. And so now this is before the internet. And I prepared him with who was on the, the congressional board. It was agriculture and something or other. And, uh, you know, how we're, how this whole day is going to plan out. And it took so long because again, this is all on the phone. This is not me going to the library to see who's on. Right. I mean, this is how you did it back then. Yeah. And so when we were flying back um, on the shuttle back to, from DC to New York, I said, he said, wow, that was exceptional. And I'm so happy that you prepared me and I feel really good and we're going to win this and blah, blah, blah. And he said, now I get it. I get what you do. And Mm. I never had to speak to his wife again. (laughs) (gasps) Wow. Interesting. So do I, I think if it's a a strict PA thing, maybe it's appropriate. Maybe. But that, for that, I was not a PA back then. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought to myself, so if I was a male EA, would you ask me to meet your wife? I probably Mm. not. So Mm. that was just kind of weird for me. Mm. And it's not anything I looked. And that's when I said, I'm never working for a man again. Yeah. Now, Ken's worked for a lot of men, but I am better off with women. Women and energy is better for me. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. The request comes up a fair amount. And I, I, it's interesting because some candidates, when it's introduced into the interview process, I mean, it's an immediate flare and they go, why is that? (laughs) Why, why am I meeting this person? I don't understand what's the relevance. Like you said, Kenya, I mean, if I was meeting the wife's assistant, maybe that's a more, you know, appropriate matchup, but it's, it's tends to be a flag. Um, and it, it tends to ask or tends to open up a lot more questions. So what advice do you have for our listeners who are looking to strengthen their partnership with maybe like the personal assistant or the estate manager or the household staff? And, um, you know, they don't quite have that, that beautiful, seamless relationship that the two of you possess. You know, what advice do you have for how they can really, especially when it comes to, like you said, you know, hoarding information or not being perceived as a threat, but how can they really strengthen that relationship and, and make for the best type of synergy possible? I mean, one word comes to mind is just authenticity, like to be authentic and 
and human, right? Like, right. But I think it's also, we met so many people on her house staff along the way. Right. Right. And, but the thing is, I want you to succeed more right. than you want to succeed. Right. Because it makes and our job better. So then we're yeah. happier. Right. So just, you know, let's work together. And, and there are people that are willing to do that. Mm-hmm. And then there are people that are just not and want to take it to a different level. And that's why, you know, I, I lasted 18 years. I didn't want to take it to any other level, right? But just Mm -hmm. for one person and one team to be great. Right. That's all. It's really a simple, right. Simple. Right. Yeah. Well, and I I think too, like you said, you know, open the lines of communication too, because That I think that that needs to be consistent as opposed to, you know, kind of when you need something, right? It's like build the relationship. And, um, you know, if that means having scheduled regular weekly meetings or whatever the case may be, like honor those meetings and make sure that you're doing those calendar syncs, make sure that you're doing you know, syncing up on the trip. Hey, you know, our executive is going to be in Helsinki. Do you think they're going to want to spend additional time in Helsinki after the conference to travel or whatever? I mean, you need, you need time to address those things and really, you know, ask the questions. I agree. And I think that with everybody on all the different teams, I think that their job is just as important as ours. Right. So, you know, it's a, it's authenticity, it's mutual respect. And again, we're all here for one goal, right? So if we're all on the same page, this little ship should float beautifully. Sure. Mm-hmm. Should. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are great. I just I love what an amazing, what an amazing matchup this was really like really an epic, an epic partnership for both of you to feel really good about, you know, for that really defined, your careers. I mean, I think that's, it's really special and it's also really rare to, to see that. Um, you know, we, we have some, some placements that, you know, like that, that can be challenging. And even when, you know, new hires will, they get the advice of, Hey, you know, you need to become BFFs with the estate you know manager or get to know so-and-so people don't necessarily even know what to do with that information or they don't understand the importance of that. Like, well, why, why, why do I need to get to know so-and-so? What is, what is that, you know, what is, what is the value to be gained in that, you know, in that relationship and that rapport? And it's like, it's, it's that handoff, you know, um, and you guys just do that so, so well. Um, so I have a final question for you and I'm sure many of our listeners are thinking, you know, God, Sarah actually is the ideal person that I would want to support. Um, but I'm, I'm curious if there was a different individual that either of you could have supported, um, and you can choose whether it was, you know, modern times or the past or what have you, but who would you have chosen to support and why? I'll start. Um, for me, it it is Tyler Perry here in Atlanta, actually. Wow. <laughs> um, I just love everything that he does. I love the philanthropy work that he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, his work is incredible to me. Um, and again, you know, you don't know who someone is until you work mm-hmm. for them. But from what I have seen and the good that he does, he is incredibly impressive. Yeah. yeah. I have two. Okay. 
I have, I would love to assist Cher. Ooh, that's fun. We never had that answer either. Yeah. Okay. And if you know anything about Cher, like I do, okay, you know that (laughs) she told no and you're not good enough your whole her whole life. I mean, not now, obviously, because she's Cher. But starting out, it was not easy for her. And I, I just admire her tenacity um, so much. And the other person, because I know I could have helped her. I know, I know, I know I could have. I know you could have. Princess Diana. You could have saved her. Yes. Yes. She needed a quality gatekeeper. She did. She did. She needed a friend and an ally and someone to have her back. She needed a friend, a mom, a gatekeeper, media I could have fit all those literally or you would have found the bodyguard yeah well she was so vulnerable and she just needed she needed allies yeah yeah I could have done it for her yeah wow Mm. I get I get the theme here Lisa I think I know your type like (laughs) tenacious don't take no for an answer visionary strong female figures yep yes yeah. So cool. No for an answer. Neither does Kenya. No, you can't. I don't. Mm-mm. We never you have. can't. Not in the work that you do, because how do you go to your boss and be like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that wasn't possible. Like, that's not an acceptable. It's right. not an acceptable answer. I mean, I'll tell you, when I started working for Sarah and partnering with Lisa and I would watch how resourceful she was. And Sarah would ask for the most obscure, like the craziest asks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like and, what? Like, give us another example. I, I don't. I don't. I mean, um, I mean, nothing that I could really talk about. Just <laughs> okay. um, okay. know but, that it was. But literally, she would come into our office. She would say something to Lisa, and she'd walk out and close the door. And I would look at Lisa, and I'd say, "How the hell are you going to pull that off?" <laughs> I have no idea, but I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure it out. I love that. That is my mantra in life too. I'm going to figure it out. (laughs) I I may not know now, but I will. Yeah. For the few times that I couldn't accomplish whatever it was, she would say to me, wow, if you can't do it, it can't be done. Wow. Say, well, maybe so. In my mind, I'm like, is that possible? But maybe. Wow. That's got to feel good. You know, I mean, yeah. one time she was in, we were both in San Francisco. She had a speaking engagement and she, <laughs> she had just joined Instagram. I could say this. Yeah, you can. I can say this. Delta won't be mad. Delta won't be mad at me. Um, she had just <laughs> joined Instagram, like literally four days before we go to this, this big meeting with Reed Hoffman and she had a speaking engagement at Stanford University. I mean, it was a big two days. It really Mm -hmm. was. And so we're at the San Francisco airport and she is just having a moment to decompress and is trying to get these videos queued up to, to post them. And she was new, so she didn't really know how to do it. And that is one thing that is not in my wheelhouse is Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I said, I'm going to get on the plane and, um, you know, we're boarding. So let's go. I'll be there in a minute. Well, all, all of a sudden I'm listening to something on my headphones and then all of a sudden I hear the 
flight attendants say the boarding doors have been closed. And I look next to me and she is- <laughs> and it's an empty seat. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. And I got up and I said to the flight attendant, um, my friend, and she started calling me and she said, they closed the door. And I said to um, the flight attendant, I said, isn't there anything you could do? And she said, well, who is it? I said, it's my boss. And uh -huh. she said, well, why didn't she hear it? I said, I'm not sure. She said, who's your boss? I said, um, she owns Spanx. And I promise you, it'll be a lifetime of Spanx for you and anyone that opens the door. <laughs> and she said, oh, is it Susan Blakely? I'm like, um, Susan. Close enough. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Susan, where are you? And sure enough, they opened the door and let her Wow. Wow. Which, you know, FAA, FAA or whoever yeah. it is. Yeah. They can never open the door. FAA, they are so like, no, Federal Aviation right. Authority, we are not opening the door. And yeah. She walked on wow. the plane and was like, get in that seat. And she's so, they both come back and Sarah tells the story and she goes, I mean, I said to Lisa, drop the mic, retire <laughs> now. <laughs> you got me on the plane. I yeah. dropped the mic. Yeah, yeah that's a moment. I mean, I I would have done it because the next flight was a 10 p.m. red eye. And this was like at two in the afternoon. Yeah. And I certainly wasn't getting off the plane. Right. Yeah. No. So, yeah, we worked it. And she yeah. got on. Yeah. And it was good. Yeah. And somebody earned themselves a lifetime of Sphinx. Yes. And I took <laughs> care of them. That's great. Well, this has been such a treat. You guys are worth the wait in, in every sense of the word. This has been such, such a fun episode. And I really, really appreciate the two of you being here. You guys are just delightful. And um, I wish we were in person because I feel like we need Cosmos and we need to toast right now because this is just yeah. such a great, such a great, great, great tribute to all that the two of you accomplished and to your friendship and partnership and your allegiance and and just, you know, to, to being good people and supporting one another. Like, what a, what a great, great, great model. So thank you both for, for joining us today. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you for having us. Reach is brought to you by Maven Recruiting Group, who specializes in placing executive assistants and support staff to the Bay Area's most prominent executives and companies. If you've enjoyed being part of our podcast community and are interested in becoming part of our candidate community, we're currently hiring for roles in San Francisco, Silicon Valley, and Los Angeles. You can visit us at www.mavenrec.com to see some of the roles we're currently working on and to submit your resume.